Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Starting Christ in the carols today. And uh, let's face it, if we're honest, Christ does tend to be left out of Christmas these days. Have you noticed that? Um, we, we do tend to leave Christ out of the uh, Christmas season and it reminds me of a little story that I heard recently about a woman that had done all her shopping and she was quite flustered and, and uh, she was just kind of at her wit's end and she had her hands full with packages and boxes that had been neatly wrapped and she uh, came to an elevator and, and, and couldn't push the button so she managed to lift her, her, her leg up and, 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 and push the button in and, and the doors finally opened and she was greeted with a full elevator. And she kind of gave the people in the elevator that look that you give when you see a full elevator. Don't judge her. We all do it. You know. And so, so uh, they saw she was a little bit flustered and frustrated. So they kind of edged back and, and made room for her. And she squeezed her way into the elevator. The elevator's door shut. And when the door shut, she couldn't help herself. But she said, oh, whoever is responsible for Christmas ought to be arrested and shot. To which a few people in the lift said, yeah, yeah, I agree. But then there was one lone voice at the back of the elevator that said, don't worry, they've already crucified him. <laughs> we tend to leave Christ out of Christmas. And we're here to put Christ up front and centre unapologetically this Christmas season. We need to remember who is responsible for the Christmas season. The Christmas season is all about Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave the world the greatest gift of all time, the greatest act of love of all time. God poured out His love and He gave us His Son that whosoever might believe in Him would not perish but would be granted eternal life. You see, the message of Christmas is real simple. It's this, that you matter to God. Isn't that beautiful? You matter to God. The Christmas message simplified is simply this. You matter to Him so much that He gave earth, planet earth, and He gave humanity the greatest gift of all time. I remember this time last year, a woman came up to me, brand new Christian, and she had tears in her eyes and she thanked me. And she was in her 30s. And she thanked me for connecting Jesus and the Christmas story. She had no idea that Jesus and the Christmas story were connected. I was both blessed and shocked that someone could be in their 30s in Australia and not join the dots between Jesus Christ and the Christmas stories. We are living in a changing world, church, and we need to make sure the changes we are making are helping people come to Him and not making it harder to come to Him. Are you with me this morning? And so in the next four weeks, we want to help people find Christ in some of the carols that we'll be singing over the next few weeks in the lead up to Christmas. You're going to hear these carols in the shopping malls. And we just want to just attach Jesus Christ to some of the carols. And, and some of the carols we're going to be looking at is Come All Ye Faithful. We're going to be looking at Away in a Manger, a little bit of a favourite of mine, Away in a Manger. Um, Come Emmanuel. And then today we're going to be looking at O Holy Night. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning, O Holy Night. And O Holy Night was, was um, written way back in 1840, and it was actually a French parish priest 
that asked a local poet if he would put to uh, words and a poem of Luke chapter 2. Interestingly enough, the poet wasn't a Christian. And so this poet penned some words to Luke chapter 2. And the poet liked the poem so much that he got a friend of his, who also wasn't a Christian, to put some music to it. And this became known as O Holy Night that we sing all these years later. In actual fact, the Catholic Church loved it so much that uh, when they finally found out that it was actually written by an atheist, they actually couldn't stop it because it had such popularity. They actually wanted to pull it because you can't sing a song that's been written by an atheist in church and there they were singing it, but it had gained so much popularity that they couldn't pull the pin on this song. And I'm so glad that this song didn't get lost. Amen. And then in 1906... Reginald Fussenden, a 33-year-old Canadian professor, took a homemade generator and he plugged a microphone into it and made the first AM broadcast in history of the world on Christmas Eve. And he read Luke chapter 2 and then he played this particular carol, O Holy Night. Amazing thought. Some of the words that we've already heard our choir and band sing this morning are Holy Night. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night our dear Saviour's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O oh, hear the angels' voices, O oh, night divine, O oh, night when Christ was born. That beautiful words of an incredible moment. Unfortunately, I think some of the weightiness of what took place all those years ago is kind of been lost because we have a very sanitized version of the nativity. It could have something to do with the, the China nativity scene that we put out in the middle of the table every year. It may have something to do with the, the, the kids' productions that we go to and, and we see little Joseph and, and little baby Jesus and, and, and we see a dog dressed up as a lamb and it, kind of, and it, just, it just takes away. <laughs> you haven't been to those productions. And, and it kind of takes away what actually took place some 2,000 years ago. Because in reality, what we have is a teenage girl by the name of Mary who found herself pregnant, not because she'd had any relations with a man, but because of the Holy Spirit coming upon her. And she found herself pregnant, which you can only imagine, she was the talk of the town. I mean, this first Christmas was very complicated. Some of us are going to have some complicated Christmas this year, but I'll tell you, the very first Christmas was very, very complicated. How do you explain that I'm pregnant? And even Joseph didn't get it. He thinks, man, who's she been sleeping with? And an angel came and visited him and brought some understanding and some insight as to what was really going on. And, and so when that was settled, they had to walk out the whole pregnancy, nine months pregnant. 
And then they found themselves having to go down from where they were living into a place called Bethlehem. And, and that was a kind of a 200K journey. Now, you imagine being nine months pregnant, ladies who have given birth. Uh, imagine being 200 months, uh, 200 months, <laughs> nine months pregnant. Imagine being nine months pregnant and having to do a 200K car ride. That'd be bad enough. But imagine it on a donkey. For a couple of hundred kilometres. But that cannot be comfortable. And when they get to Bethlehem, there's, there's nowhere for them to stay in, so they have to stay in a stable. And, and, and theologians and historians tell us that the stable is actually more like a cave. And so the, the, this is not a comfortable stay for her. And, and I don't know if you've ever been in a labour ward. I've been in a labour ward a few times, three times in actual fact. And, and I want to tell you, it's not a pretty place to be. You know, something changes. I mean, I love my wife. I do. But I'm telling you, nine months pregnant in a labour ward, she changed. <laughs> I, don't know if I, can, I, I don't know if I can verify this, but I'm sure I saw her head spin right around. I, I, I think I did. I mean, she changed and, and her personality changed and, and, and things came out of her mouth. And I'm like, wow, is this even my wife? I mean, it, it, it was, it was, it's crazy. And that's, that's just my wife. Then there's people next door. And, and I'm thinking, what am I doing here? I mean, this, this, is anything but, this is anything but, you know, cool, calm and collected. And so you can only imagine this, this teenager who's been, you know, on a donkey for a couple of hundred kilometres and there she is in a cave. This isn't a sanitised, pretty version. The whole nativity is birthed in weariness, tiredness and pain. And, and I think that's what the writer of this particular carol was picking up on. He talks about a weary world. We live in a weary world today. There's a lot of anxiety. Have you noticed that? There's a lot of depression today. Mental illness is on the rise. Suicide is on the rise. In this nation in Australia, we have the highest rate of suicide amongst teenagers in the Western world. And that number's not going down. It's only going up. I mean, we live in a tired, weary, worn out, hurting world. The good news is, the good news is, that's not where the song ends. Yeah. It goes on to say that in the midst of this tired and weary world, there was a birth of a child. And the birth of this child caused a thrill of hope. And shepherds fell to their knees and they worshipped God and angels sang praises to God. And it was the birth not only of a new baby boy, but it was a birth of a brand new glorious day. And that day changed the course of history forever. And that day was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah some 700 years earlier. In actual fact, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Now the beautiful thing that this, this child was no ordinary child. In fact, he was so 
uh, unordinary, he was so extraordinary that one name could not suffice. He was given a multitude of names to describe something of the character and the nature of who he was. You see, when it comes to picking names, you've got, there's a few things you need to know. You can't just give a child any name. For those of you who are parents here, you know the drill. There are certain rules when it comes to picking names. For example, you can't name a child after a previous ex, be it boyfriend or girlfriend. You can't do that. That's a no-go zone. I could never have named a child Meredith because that was my year four crush. I could never do that. Picking a name can be stressful. You, you can't pick a name based upon the school bully or, or, or that kid that was just annoying at school. How many of you, know, you hear a name and it just reminds you of that kid at school? You, you, can't, you can't name your child that. And then it's not just the first name, it's working the first name with the last name. See, I've got the last name Rainbow, and, and that's a great last name, but it, it, it limits what I can put at the front. See, I really love the name Sky. I did. I wanted to call our daughter Sky, but Kath goes, yeah, Tony, Sky Rainbow. Ah, oh, yeah, she's, she'll be picked on at school. We can't do that. <laughs> and so you've got to be careful when it comes to picking a name. And in all seriousness, this name that was given to this child represents his character and his nature in relationship to our needs. And let's be honest, we have needs. It's to reveal something of who he is and what a new day in Christ Jesus brings. And so in the remainder of my time, I just want to look at these four names and hopefully draw something from us that can bring us hope in this weary and tired world in which we live. You see, as wonderful counsellor, he provides care. Everyone say care. He provides care for the devastating times of life. Let's be honest, we live in a broken, hurting world. This world is not working as it was intended to work. And so it's good news to know that we have a wonderful counsellor. You know that word wonderful actually is a Hebrew word, pele, P-E-L-E, P-E-L-E. And it actually means I don't have a word for just how wonderful he is. This word wonderful actually is a word to say, I, I don't have words to describe just how amazing he is, just how beautiful he is, just how magnificent he is. He, he's incredibly wonderful. And I trust church that we would never ever tire of the wonder of who Jesus Christ is and the wonder of what it is that he has done for us. He is truly a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful saviour. He's a wonderful counsellor. He's a counsellor. And as with all good counsellors, he's able to advise, he's able to help. Why? Because he genuinely cares for us. He cares what you're going through. I want you to know today, whatever it is that you are going through, whatever it is that you are facing, Jesus cares about you. In actual fact, he not only cares for you, he can identify with what you're going through. The Bible says that he came to planet Earth and he grew as a man and, and he was tempted and tested in every way just as we are. And yet he never faltered. He never sinned. This is what I call the ultimate crossing over. Jesus was just brilliant at getting into people's shoes and not getting into their face. Jesus sees you. He knows you. 
And he wants the very best for you. He cares for you. He can identify for you. But the best bit is, not only does he care for you, and he can identify with you, but he can actually help you. He's one who can actually help you. Jesus Christ is indeed a wonderful counsellor that fully understands what it is that we are going through. He's also Almighty God. And as Almighty God, he gives us courage. Everyone say courage. He gives us courage to face the demands of life. The word um, Almighty God translate, he is God, our hero. Isn't that beautiful? That our God is our hero. Let's be honest, we all have heroes growing up and some of us have heroes into our adult lives. Some of you may have David Warner as your hero now, having got 335 runs, not out, thank you very much. I mean, it's just an amazing thing. But God is our ultimate hero. Warren Wiersbe says this, he says, the history of mankind has been the story of the discovery of power and the, uh, the application of power. First it was manpower, then it was horsepower, then steam power, and electric power, and now atomic power. Each step on the, path, uh, the power path has enriched mankind both materially and financially. But it is doubtful that we are richer spiritually. He goes on to say that we are able to harness today the power of the universe, but we can't control ourselves to keep selfish people from destroying the world and its people. The basic power needed today is spiritual power. The source of that power is Jesus Christ himself. Isn't that an amazing thought? That we have this power, this same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is available to each and every one of us who believe. I don't know if you believe that today, but I believe that there is a power the Bible says that greater is he that's in me, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. In other words, no matter what it is that you're facing, there is one on the inside of you that is far stronger than whatever it is that you are going through. And this power manifests itself in a few ways. Firstly, the power of God has the power to take you out of a situation. And this is his power working for you. This is where we read of and experience miracles and, and supernatural provision. And I thank God that my life is filtered with supernatural intervention, things I can't explain. I was talking to Warren and Beck and, and, and I remember back in 2016 on Mother's Day when my wife was up here preaching on Mother's Day and I was in hospital and there I was waiting a surgery. I'd had an abscess on my spine and, and uh, I was about to go into spinal surgery. And they was booked in for spinal surgery first thing in the morning and the church were praying. And not only this church, but churches right around the city of Adelaide and right around the world praying for little old me. I was incredibly humbled. And uh, I'll never forget what happened. A miracle took place. The doctors waited and waited. And, and by the time they came to do the surgery, they chose not to do the surgeries because something had shifted, something had changed. And I'm grateful to God for the supernatural power of God that's available to me as it is available to you. God does miracles today. I thank God the times and times in my life where God has done things that I can't explain. I thank God for the power. That's one way that we see His power, when God is working for you, when He takes you out of a situation. And thank God for that. And let's never stop believing for that. But that's not the only way we see his power. Yeah. 
Not only will he take us out of the situation, sometimes he'll just take us through a situation. And he gives us power to take us through a situation. And this is his power working in us. I don't know if you're anything like me, but when things are going on in your world and you can't explain it, you find yourself saying, what's happening? Has anyone else shouted out that? What's going on? Has anyone ever said that? Or is it just me? I mean, really, have we said, what is going on? I don't know what's going on anymore. What's happening? And, and this is what I've learned the answer to that question is. What's happening? You are. What's going on? You are. Because God's doing a work in you. And sometimes He doesn't take us out of things. He takes us through things because as we go through things, we find we grow and we change. And as we look back, we say, wow, I'm a bigger person. I'm a better person. And we get to the other end and we start thanking God, not for taking us out of, but taking us through a situation, a situation we would not have been able to get through if it was not for His powerful, His power that's available to us who believes. Who believes that? I mentioned 2016 and, and the miracle moment. But for me, the biggest part of 2016 was not being taken out of anything. It was actually going through it. When you lose your youth pastor to a lightning strike and then your other youth leader gets struck by lightning, one lives, one dies. How do you explain that? I want to tell you, church, to this day, I still don't have an answer for that stuff. And then Kath had a cancer scare and then I had my blood infection and then had to go to hospital and have heart surgery all in the same year. I wouldn't wish that on me again. I certainly wouldn't wish that on anyone else again. But you know what? I'll never forget the last day of 2016 with tears in my eyes. I was walking around the block just thanking God. I said, God, this has been a, such a precious year to me. I never, ever, ever want to forget this year. I never want to forget your kindness. I never want to forget your grace. I'm not the same person. You see, the testing of your faith, which James 1 talks about, the testing of your faith does two things. It shows you and it grows you. It shows you where you're at. And I'll never forget 2016. We showed the community. We showed one another where we were at. That this faith, we believe it. It's real. Yeah. And it also grows you. I, I know this. 2016 changed me. I, I, I am not the same person for 2016. I'm a bigger person. I'm a better person. And I believe this is a bigger church. I believe this is a better church. I look at some of the young people who had to see with their own eyes all the things that were going on in the youth camp that day. And here they are, bigger people, better people, stronger people. What's happening? You are. What's going on? You are. And there's a power to take you through any circumstance. Sometimes that power will take you out. Praise Jesus. And sometimes it will take you through. Praise Jesus. You see, we really do win in Christ. Are you with me? And not only that, the power of God will take you to a situation. It'll take you out of a situation. It'll take you through a situation. But it'll also take you to a situation. You see, the power of God is not only for you. This is God working through you. There's times He works for you. There's times the power of God works in you. And then there's times the power of God works through you. See, God has blessed you and given you a power. And it's not just for you. It's actually to help people. And we have an incredible opportunity this Christmas to not be selfish with the power that God has made available to us just for ourselves. Our kids know this because we indoctrinated them from a very early age that they are blessed by God to be a blessing to others. And I got the kids to say, come on, say it. And they'll say, I'm blessed by God. No, 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 you're a rainbow. We don't say it like that. If we're going to say something, we're going to do it with all of our heart. Come on, let's say it. And then by the end of it, we'd be chanting, well, I'm blessed by God to be a blessing to others. Come on, do you believe it? I'm blessed by God to be a blessing to others. 
There's an incredible power because we have hero God who is God Almighty. The birth of that child that day changed the course of history for all time and eternity. And we have an incredible opportunity to share this good news this Christmas. Are you with me today, church? Which brings me to our third point, and that is he is everlasting father. And as everlasting father, he brings confidence. Everyone say confidence. Confidence to face the uncertainties of life. You know, everlasting father was a title given to royalty. Kings in ancient times claimed the title of father of nations. The trouble is for every king in every kingdom, it was temporary. But our God is an everlasting father for all time and eternity. And Isaiah declared that the Messiah, Jesus, would be everlasting father. And can I just clarify, he's not saying that Jesus would be God the Father because he is God the Son. But he was, and he was not addressing his role of the Father, but his attributes of the Father. See, Father is not the Messiah's role within the Godhead, but Jesus' character towards us. And Jesus said it this way. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. One of the key roles of Jesus was to show the world what the Father looked like. And let's be honest, we live in a world that has a pretty distorted view of what fathers are. And so when you talk about Father God, and I know even now I sense a recoil, a recoil by some of you because you've had a bad experience. But that's why Jesus came, to showcase to the world what a true Father is and what a true Father does and what a true Father looks like. He didn't take the place of the Father, but He showed us the Father's attributes. They showed the Father's loving nature, the forgiving nature, the caring nature. And no one did that better than Jesus Christ Himself. This Father has no beginning, no end. He existed before the earth began and He will exi exist forevermore. He's all-knowing. This is one of the things that blows my mind about God Almighty is that He knows me. I am fully known by Him. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows everything about me, everything I've ever done, everything I'll ever do. To be fully known is one thing, but to be fully loved and fully known, that's a whole nother. How many of you love someone until you get to know them? And I think because we're like that, we think God is like that. If God really knew who I was, He wouldn't love me. Here's the thing. He knows you better than you know yourself. And He's still madly and passionately in love with each and every one of you. You are fully known and fully loved. This is the miracle of Christmas that we are fully known. The things that you're trying to hide away. The filters you're putting on your lives. God says, I, I love you without the filter. I love you without the makeup. I love you just the way you are to be fully known and to be fully loved. And not only that, he's also ever present. In other words, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Now we can turn our back on him and ignore him, but he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He is everlasting to everlasting. And he's there with us in the toughest of times, in the uncertainties of life. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it says, For God has said, I'll never fail you. I will never abandon you. 
So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can mere people do to me? I am so grateful that I grew up in a home where I knew my dad would always be there. And as a result, it put a confidence in me. I know not all of you have lived in that reality, but I can tell you that can be our reality with God. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He is Almighty God. And fourthly, as the band come up, that'd be great. He is Prince of Peace. And as Prince of Peace, he instills calm to face the storms of life. As Prince of Peace, he instills calm. Everyone say calm. Who would like some calm in their life? Who would like some peace in their life? You see, God's peace is different to our understanding of peace. When we think of peace, we think in terms of an experience or a location, holiday somewhere. We think in terms of the absence of pressure. But Jesus came to take our understanding of peace to a whole another level. The interesting thing about Jesus is you'll never find him in the scriptures preaching a message on peace. Because he didn't come with a message of peace, he just was peace. And when Jesus comes into our life, we receive him and the peace that he brings. He didn't come to bring a message, he came to bring himself. And when we receive Christ, we can have peace with God. People talk about God out there, but there's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. And you can have peace with God when we receive Christ into our lives. Not only can you have peace with God, but you can have peace with yourself. I've been doing ministry for many, many years, and I see a lot of inner turmoil. People not content with who they are, not content with what they have. And today you can find a peace in Him. And you can have a peace within yourself. And not only that, you can have a peace with others. Christmas is meant to be that time where we get together with family and friends and it's all fun and games, which for some of you it is. But I also know Christmas is that time where it can be awkward. It can be difficult. And if you're going into a Christmas party, if you're going into a Christmas dinner and it's some awkward tension between family members, I would say the answer is backyard cricket. <laughs> that way you don't have to stare and look at each other and talk to each other the whole time. Backyard cricket, write that down. But seriously, Jesus wants to come and bring a peace, not only with God, not only with yourself, but also with others. And I'm believing this Christmas will be a Christmas where we experience this kind of peace. A peace that translates with God, with ourselves, and with others. You see, peace isn't a message. It's not a location. It's not an experience. 
It's actually a person. And his name is Jesus. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 